Hello, beloved! Welcome to the Sacred Sister Podcast, where we normalize the magic and sacralize the mundane. In this podcast, we open up dialogue on metaphysical subjects, self-healing tools, expanding consciousness, and deepening awareness. We're here to support you in co-creating a life full of healing, meaning, and magic. If you are brand new here, welcome and hello. We're so excited to have you here. If you want to know more about what's come before, season one was great for building foundations on spiritual practices. Season two, we focused on relationships, and now we're in season three. The season of the Empress, where we open deep dialogue with conscious entrepreneurs who are spearheading their sacred mission. We have an amazing lineup this season, so make sure that you subscribe if you haven't already. Now a bit about us. I'm your host, Britt, a self-study entrepreneur, personal transformation coach, and content creator. I'm prompting you to come to know the self more fully, because when we can acknowledge who we are as unique individuals, our potential to experience life gets a whole lot more interesting. And I'm your host, Hannah, a Life Beyond the Veil coach, priestess, and astrologist, and I guide you to unleash your source powers, leverage your inner blueprint, and sync with life's algorithm to manifest your wildest dreams. Because hey, we're multidimensional beings playing this game of life. Let's make it fun and magical. We are so grateful that you're here, and together, we're here to serve as your sacred, sacred sister. sister. Let's dive in. Hello, sacred beings, and welcome to another episode of Sacred Sister Podcast. My name is Britt. Welcome and hello if this is your very first time, and if you're a regular listener, then welcome back. We're so excited to sit down today with Jacqueline Costello. Jacqueline is a spiritual guidance counselor, and she also offers couples counseling, sacred meditations, and personal empowerment sessions, both here in Las Vegas and remotely. Jacqueline is both mine and Hannah's marriage counselor. (laughs) Jacqueline's primary gift is to nurture expansion. She helps with the growth of awareness, peace of mind, love, spirit, professional enterprises, power, integrity, and creative capacity. Nothing is more satisfying to her than helping people make breakthroughs to understand themselves and the world around them more deeply. What you choose to do with that newfound clarity, she reminds, is up to you. But she warns you of this. Once you awaken the part of you that is able to perceive beyond the veils, it is nearly impossible to turn that insight off again. (laughs) So be ready. And don't we know that so well? That is such a backbone of the outlook that we have on our human experience here in this life. And honestly, it is so aligned with the mission that Hannah and I had in mind whenever we created Sacred Sister Podcast. There's something that's written on Jacqueline Costello's website that I just love so much, and I'm going to share it with you here. What she says is, I'm no stranger to transformation myself. My life has been a series of deaths and rebirths. I love what the Sufi saint and poet Rabia wrote. I died a thousand times before I died. Yes, me too. Sometimes at the cellular level, other times it was a portion of my ego dissipating or old habits and mindsets that were no longer serving my highest development. Do I have it all figured out? Of course not. As one of my dearest clients says, it's a process. 
but I do know I've devoted my life to climbing the mountain of truth, self-discovery, cosmic mysteries, and if you too feel called to forge a path up that beautiful mountain, I would be honored to be your guide. Ugh. Initially, we were really excited to have Jacqueline on because of the transformative experiences that we've had with her in both of our partnerships and our marriages. I started seeing Jacqueline with my husband about, I think, last September, maybe, and we initially went to her with various trust and intimacy issues that we had been having that had been building up for years and years and years, and, you know, it took a little while for both of us to get comfortable with going and inviting a third party into our intimate space, into our relationship, so that we could really discuss things that we honestly felt it was time to receive guidance on because we really, really were at a point that something needed to shift. We just didn't really know how to go about doing it. And that is, I feel like, the perfect introduction where people in a partnership are able to reach out and extend themselves, asking for someone who is willing, ready, and eager to guide them, you know, inviting them into their sacred space and really opening our hearts to doing that work together. There's some kind of really special magic that happens whenever a third party is brought in that it has a completely unbiased opinion, usually that doesn't know the two individuals and is really just there to offer some deeper insights that maybe each of the people are missing, you know, overseeing. And it really helps to get that third party's perspective on what they're seeing, what they're hearing, and then offering different practices and prompts. So it's like we would go in for our sessions, we would get some really nice homework, and that homework gave us this invitation to bring the conversation home with us. I feel like one of the biggest activations for us was that we really started noticing how we spoke to each other more and it really helped us to just be more conscious with the way that we would communicate with one another and I think a lot of people would probably resonate with that. (laughs) There's also this narrative about you know, speaking about intimate issues within a relationship that Hannah and I really wanted to normalize with this episode because there's a saying like, you shouldn't air your dirty laundry, like you shouldn't really open up about some of the more vulnerable aspects of your relationship. And while I'm not going to sit here and give you every detail of what was going on, I do think that as a sacred sister to all of you that are listening to this, it's really important for me to just normalize this and let all of you know that you're you're not the only ones struggling or you know thinking you're the only ones with this specific issue in your life even though your issue is going to look really unique and individual to both of you because there's no partnership like your partnership overall there are some different traits that we can see from partnership to partnership that can be categorized into different realms of what people would go to see a guidance counselor around if that makes sense. (laughs) A main message that we really wanted to bring to this episode was the normalization of counseling and seeing counselors. It is so normal and healthy to have conflict and truly the strength that resides within a relationship is able to be seen whenever you look at the ways that you deal with conflict. If you do find that Sacred Sister Podcast is offering unique and 
transformative insights and prompts if you see this as a benefit for your life and you would like to support Sacred Sister Podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star rating and or a comment in the rating and reviews section of this podcast. If you have already done that and you'd like to know how to support more, first off, we thank you for doing that. Uh, Ratings and comments really help us with other people's searchability whenever they're looking for spiritual podcasts. And otherwise, you can always share different podcast episodes that are really potent and resonant for you with your friends, your soul family, and your blood family as well. If you're looking for ways to support Sacred Sister Podcast, these are some of the ways to do it. And we thank you so, so much for your continued support. It is an honor to be of service to you in this way. And without much more, let's hop over to Hannah's astrology segment where we're going to take a look at Jacqueline Costello's energetic DNA. Hello and welcome to the astrology section. This is Hannah. And so today we are looking into the inner blueprint of Jacqueline Costello. Her son is in Aquarius in the second house. So the archetype of Aquarius is the rebel, the innovator and humanitarian. Jacqueline is able to look outside of the box and is creating a new tradition that is different from the norm. The sun in second house gives her a very grounded approach to life and a deep connection to Mother Earth. The second house is the house of tradition and conservatives. So there's a part of her that loves to be a part of a traditional structure, but at the same time be able to liberate herself and dance to the beat of her own drum. (laughs) And she really does that beautifully as a spiritual counselor. So instead of just being a counselor in the traditional sense, She is combining all the traditional pieces of it, but also brings in that spiritual sense where she doesn't have to follow any rules besides the ones that she creates for herself. And that makes her son in Aquarius very, very happy. There's another thing that is really unique about her son because it is a part of a interception. Whenever we have an interception in our chart, an intercepted sign in this case, it means that the sign cannot directly be accessed. We have to go through the sign before that in order to truly access the Aquarius in this case. So for Jacqueline, she has to go through Capricorn in order to really know and learn how to shine her sun bright. And Capricorn is ruled by Saturn and her Saturn is conjunct Jupiter in the ninth house, which is her chart ruler since she's a Sagittarius rising. And all of those are archetypes of the teacher, the professor, the guru, the spiritual awakening, the one who shares experiences and higher knowledge, the one who travels and discovers the world. And she will share a little bit about it in the interview. She has traveled the world and experienced so many different cultures and countries 
and customs and traditions from others and she really allowed it to inspire her and open her mind and awaken her spirits and after that she made the decision to become a professor and so we see that the spiritual journey that she was going on this nomadic way of living was a part of that interception she had to go through that in order to truly know where do I want to settle down where do I want to create roots where do I want to bring in my financial abundance which is also the second house and then just as I was saying her rising sign is in Sagittarius she is a natural explorer teacher and guide she loves to experience all kinds of different ways of living and especially since it's conjunct her Neptune especially the spiritual realms especially the realms of dreams the realms of poetry film soul healing anything that allows ourselves to truly flow with life and follow one's heart and intuition and let the soul speak and it's so interesting because the seminar that she created for the university the UNLV Honors College was called Poetry, World and Spiritual Thought so it is so beautifully aligned with her inner blueprint and then her moon is in uh, right between Libra and Scorpio in the 10th house also conjunct Pluto so that one shows that part of her life direction part of her calling first of all it's very important for her to have a calling moon in the 10th house shows that the self-actualization the self-fulfillment the career is something that she needs she could not just live as a housewife or as partner of someone and that's it she needs to have her own career and her own role in the public and have influence in her community in that way and the way that she loves to influence others is through that moon between Libra and Scorpio so holding space for others to see the beauty which is Libra in the dark which is Scorpio the transformation the rebirth the breakups and the breakthroughs and the breakdowns all of those things of Scorpio and the moon is helping her to hold space for people who are going through this who want to either up level or want to heal from a breakdown from a break up or are ready to transform their lives their relationships in a way that is more aligned with their life direction that they are moving towards so all in all Jacqueline is a down-to-earth rebel who holds space for others to see the beauty in transformation and explore the world in a mystical and poetic way of living 
And if you now feel inspired to have your own inner blueprint reading with me, you can go to hannahchristensen.com, my website, and book your very personal reading. And we can do all of this and more with yourself. And so you can really find out who you are on the deepest level and what your highest potential is and how you can work with any challenges that are coming up in your life and make the best out of it to create this fun and magical way of living that only comes from being aligned with one's inner blueprint just like Jacqueline is. And that is it from me, so without further ado, let's move into the interview with Jacqueline Costello and she's guiding us on a beautiful journey, a beautiful prayer. So allow yourself to relax, sit back and enjoy. Oh, sacred sister, a kindred flame, may we light one another from the ashes rise. Oh, we rise. Okay, so I'm feeling that we begin with the Buddhist metta prayer. I love this prayer because it asks that we also bless ourselves. And I feel that more people than not don't bless themselves on a regular basis. So this is a beautiful circular prayer that asks us to begin by blessing ourselves. So let's take a moment to center with a few deep breaths. Breathing that vital life force into any part of the body that needs to be reinvigorated or nourished. That life force, that breath can clear out any stagnant energy, any worrisome thoughts, any bits of darkness can all be cleared away through that breath. And when you're ready, place your right hand over your heart and your left hand over your right hand. And I'm going to voice aloud each line of this blessing, this prayer. And you can silently voice these in your head. And as you're voicing each line, we don't want this just to be a cerebral practice. We really want to feel these blessings being infused into our hearts. So if it helps you to imagine warmth going through the palms of your hands into your heart or a bright light going through the palms of your hands into your heart. Imagine that and feel that in your heart. You may even visualize the blessings in your head 
if you like to create a narrative or imagery to help manifest these blessings. I don't know if you heard that, but that's my dog joining in. So we begin this prayer by blessing ourselves. So say these lines quietly to yourself. May I be well. May I be happy. May I find love. May I find peace. Now think of someone that you love very deeply, a partner, family member, a friend. And with the same sincerity and power, you're going to wish them the same blessings. May they be well. May they be happy. May they find love. May they find peace. And now think of someone that you don't know intimately. It could be someone who bags your groceries at the grocery store or someone at work that you never got a chance to become too familiar with. And you're going to wish that person these same beautiful blessings. May they be well. May they be happy. May they find love. May they find peace. And now, think of someone who has done you wrong. Someone that has harmed you or hurt you or someone you're still angry at or you haven't forgiven. And with complete authentic love, you're going to wish that person these same blessings. May they be well. May they be happy. May they find love. May they find peace. And now think of all the living beings in existence, all of the people, all of the animals, all of the plants, the trees, every sentient being. And you're going to wish all beings these same blessings. May all beings be well. May all beings be happy. May all beings feel love. May all beings feel peace. And this prayer closes with us blessing ourselves.
once again. May I be well. May I be happy. May I find love. May I find peace. Wow. Thank you so much. That was absolutely beautiful. Ah, what a powerful prayer that was. And I've read about it before, but I've never actually experienced it like that. And it's so powerful to bless ourselves, to start with blessing ourselves and ending with blessings ourselves. Like, it's this beautiful container, this beautiful present that we're creating. And then in between all these people, the intimate relationship, the strange relationship and the kind of hateful, the enemy relationship, and then the, the whole world. Ah, so beautiful. Thank you. And so funny too, the first thing when you said, may I be well, I actually heard may I be wild? <laughs> and I thought, hmm, okay, well, <laughs> I like being a wild woman, so I don't mind. <laughs> like, well, the, the Buddhist, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say maybe Hannah's version of being well is being a little wild. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> that was my message here. <laughs> yeah, the Buddhist knew what's up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And what a what a profound way of just just gaining awareness, just gaining awareness at where we're at in our human experience and what readily comes to mind. It was so fascinating. The I had no idea that I have such a deep connection with this guy that does bag my groceries at Sprouts. <laughs> he's like a I wanted I'm gonna ask him now. I feel that he's a Native American and he's always got some beautiful stones. I'm usually wearing stones and he asked me like, you know, what something is and you know, he'll show me what he's got in his pockets and whatnot. And it's uh just little pieces of awareness like that. When you prompt me, I'm like, Oh wow, he popped up. I love him. <laughs> and then, uh, and with my, and the enemies too, I had no idea. My first initial bully, uh, from fifth grade was going to pop into my mind. Wow. I don't feel that I have avid things against her at all anymore still, but just the pieces of awareness. It's so fascinating. Yeah. I find too that, sometimes the same person will pop up again and again. And I don't question that or try to force myself to find a new person. I just um, believe that they must need the blessings again, and, or I must need to experience giving those blessings to them again. So I just mm. let the same person or people pop up again and again, if they do. Mm. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you so much for offering that for ourselves and the audience. I feel like this is just uh, such a, I feel like this like puddle, this little oozy puddle. <laughs> it's such a nice way to get started. So grounded into our emotions and just grounded into our reality. I feel like this is such a potent 
uh, differentiation for myself, at least whenever we started sitting with you and the way that I even came to know you, which I'm going to mention in the intro of just literally Googling spiritual counselor, Las Vegas, and you were the second person that popped up. And I am really curious to know what you, obviously our audience is already getting a feel for the differences between a spiritual counselor and maybe a more conventional format, especially if they've had uh, counseling experiences that they're not so resonant with. But what would you say are some of those differences between what you do and maybe a more conventional format? That's a really great question. And I'll answer it as best as I can. Um, I think I have, I am allowed to take perhaps more liberties because I'm not a licensed clinical psychologist. I'm not an MFT. Sometimes I'll have a client who is a more traditional therapist and they'll express feeling constrained in what they can offer because of some of the boundaries um, they're meant to, to set with clients. And of course I have, I have very firm boundaries when appropriate and where appropriate, but it's not in, in anything goes situation, but we can incorporate working through things via words or language, which is similar to traditional therapy, but also I work a lot with energy and do a lot of soul work and pull from my own um, very full life of having worked with amazing uh, shamanic teachers and indigenous healers and Sufi masters. And so I feel have a very blessed life. Um, and I've come across some incredible beings on this planet and had the opportunity to learn from them. And I can freely infuse that into the counseling. And, and I do where, where appropriate, because I think it's important that we meet people, of course, where they are. And um, we need to speak a language that they understand. Um, and it's interesting with couples, as we may talk about the couples, each individual may be at a completely different place and speak a slightly different language. And so I need to find a way to interact and guide and help heal that resonates with each of them if they're in different places. Um, and I'm sure that traditional therapists have to do something similar too. But I think um, perhaps one of the biggest differences is I don't feel bound by any set of rules or guidelines other than the ones that intuitively feel important for me to set with people, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yes. And we totally forgot to welcome you. <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, this is like the movie when they show some in the movie and then the title comes on. So it's okay. It's a non-traditional intro. I like <laughs> My favorite type of movie. <laughs> <laughs> so Jacqueline, thank you so much. That was such a beautiful, potent meditation. Thank you so much and welcome. Welcome to Sacred Sister Podcast. We're so grateful to have you. Thank you for inviting me. I was so happy when you reached out. Um, I remember the last time all three of us were together was after the, the rape and sound meditation healing ceremony. And we were sitting together on the floor talking about these peculiar gifts that our fathers had given us. And it was such a fun conversation. I thought, 
the three of us need to get together again at some point. And that was quite a while ago. So mm-hmm. I'm so happy we've connected, even if only virtually. Yes, exactly. It was it was a no-brainer to have you on. And I hadn't even had it come to my conscious mind yet. I think probably because this is just such a personal aspect of my life and it, do, it doesn't really come into conversation that much with the content that I put out at least, but you've just been such a transformative figure in my relationship and partnership and marriage. And then Hannah started working with you as well. And I know that both of us just have such a high, um, just such a high regard for the work that you do and the way that you show up for people and the transformative, uh, nature that you've kind of woven into our lives and into our relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much. That is, that means so much to me. I really appreciate it. It's such a special episode too, to have you on where both Britt and I have worked with you with our partners together. Yeah. And it's been, I feel really, really passionate about this because we really want to talk about how to sustain healthy relationships in this episode. And we want to stop with this old paradigm and this old way of thinking that when you see counseling, something is wrong in your relationship and Mm -hmm. it's like a bad thing and you should look down on people that seek counseling. And we really want to just like talk about it and be like, hey, this is amazing and it's so important for people to have a coach to have a third party in the relationship I was talking to my sister-in-law and she was saying it's just so normal for us to go and check on our car especially here in Germany you have like a car check every single year where you just check if everything's good with the car so you don't get any major blowouts you know and go into major accidents And, but it's like a weird thing for us to think, to check on our marriage, you know, (laughs) like, which is like one of the most important pieces or our partnership, even when we're not married. And then this is this old paradigm thinking where, why are we thinking that going to counseling is something weird or negative and going to check our car is something completely normal and good. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd love to, to just add on to that um, because so much of what you're saying resonates with me. I feel like what people see as normal or the perception people have of, well, what's the normal or a good even marriage, in my view, is typically really unhealthy. And a lot of the behaviors that people accept as, oh, well, that's just a part of life or marriage are part of that old paradigm you're observing. And and who made up that rule that this is what normal yeah. is and this is what's okay? Um, it's not. It, and a lot of the behaviors people exhibit or are, or tolerate are really, really harmful and, and hurtful to our spirits, abusive to our psyche. Um, and so I think you know, maybe what you're talking about, this perception about going into counseling um, when something is wrong and that's part of the old paradigm, it is important to shift um, the, maybe the expectation of what counseling is. Um, It's not, it's not because something is horribly broken necessarily. 
Um, but maybe it's to, to level up or to gain a deeper appreciation and love of each other. And, and I'm seeing more and more like beautiful conscious couples come in and they're so wonderful to work with because they're a part of that new way of viewing relationships. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, it isn't about helping them see that there's even a better way to live um, because sometimes it is when people think, oh, well, relationships are supposed to be hard. I'm like, gosh, where did that come from? You know, I like, I like your um, kind of this car analogy. Um, and I, I sometimes use the analogy of a garden. You know, it's not hard taking care of a garden or a plant, but you need to put love into it. You need to put some water on the plants and maybe sing to them and like dust off their leaves. And if there's a little mite thing, you have to take care of the mite infestation, but it's not like strenuous on our soul. And we're not compromising some important part of ourselves to take care of this garden. But if you neglect the garden, it dies, it Mm -hmm. withers. And I feel like that's a more appropriate way of looking at a relationship. It shouldn't be this hard, horrific experience, but yes, it takes effort and love, of course. Yeah, you know what? I haven't even watched the the video that I saw yesterday, but uh, there was in the caption of it, J- do you know J.P. Sears? J.P. Sears, he's like this redhead guy, and he does these like oh, kind of like yeah. tongue-in-cheek, tongue yeah, the ultra-spiritual guy. He's kind of like part comedian bringing stuff to a lot of spiritual concepts, but he uploaded this video And something in the caption just really stuck out that I think is relevant here is this idea of an addiction to our comfort zones, to staying inside of our comfort zones. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, wow, I don't usually think of it worded in that way, but I love the way that you, that both of you just worded, you know, the perspectives that you have on this, where it's like awareness. Are we willing to gain awareness over our patterns and where some of our, um, beliefs and thought systems have stemmed from? Are we willing to give it time, space, and energy to look at our family dynamic and the things that we just like subconsciously picked up and the the lineages in our lines? It's like we're able to gain such a massive index of awareness if we just have the curiosity, the interest, and if we're willing to kind of like get dirty, right? The same thing mm-hmm. as the garden. We've got to be willing to like rough up our clothes a little bit because we know that we're dig. able to like clean <laughs> stuff. Yeah, if we're good, dig. Because we might find some like gold rings in the soil whenever we're <laughs> going to plant things. It's like you never know what can be under there. And I I think so many people, it's hard to it's hard to envision our relationships or partnerships in a completely different energetic uh, vibration, right? Whenever we haven't really experienced it, maybe even in ourselves in past relationships, but especially in the one that we're in, sometimes it can just be so daunting to even envision that we could be experiencing a different type of relationship, right? Hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. And I, I also find that sometimes a, a partner, an individual in a relationship will feel guilty because they'll have a new standard and say they've been with someone for 10 years, however long it is, it can be five months, 10 years, 20 years, and suddenly they don't want to tolerate 
the old standard that they established as okay with the partner and they feel bad like, oh, well, now I have this whole new set of guidelines. And I'm like, well, yes, you do. And that's okay. That's actually lovely. That's a gift to the relationship, you know? So (laughs) it's an invitation for the other person to step into this new, like even more beautiful and more fully bloomed relationship that you're forming. Absolutely. I love that. I love how you just said it's an invitation to step in because if one if one partner feels, hey, you know what, we could up level and be on this level. Do you want to be on here with me? And the other partner says, yes, I do. It's, oh, it's magic. I am calling in beautiful beings with a deep, burning, yearning desire to know themselves more fully, to feel fortified and faith-filled in the awareness that you came here with a purpose that only you can fulfill in your own unique way. For those who seek to cultivate their own resonant spiritual practices, I created the Sacred Self online course series just for you, to share intuitive tools that help one bloom from within. Doing deep self-study and introspection work has completely changed my life. I grew up in 18 different homes and nine different schools across the Las Vegas Valley. I was intensely bullied and coped with moving a lot by morphing myself into whoever I thought other people wanted me to be. And it never, ever worked. I was anxious, a crippling perfectionist with a pretty severe identity crisis too. I know this isn't what your story is, but maybe some of you can see yourself in me. One of the most valuable things that I've learned in my five years of tireless, passionate self-study is that no one has the answers for me necessarily. That in order to transform, it's my job to prioritize the time that I need to sit with my gifts and my triggers, my stuff, myself. In the three-part Sacred Self series, I guide you to create a sacred space for sitting in self-reflection. Invite in devotional gestures by creating a candle of presence and gain self-awareness through self-study, utilizing sacred svadhyaya, a journaling practice. I had a client tell me recently, wow, you know, I never really realized how much I glossed over the concept of self-acceptance. It's really like the most important thing. (laughs) My sentiments exactly. When we can invite in the awareness that maybe, just maybe, our challenges have come as learning opportunities for us to grow wisdom and strength from, our lives begin to change, no matter the challenge, no matter the hardship. If this feels like a resonant step for you, I invite you to join me in the Sacred Self online course series. Use code SACREDSYS for 20% off when you purchase the three-course bundle. Visit the online course tab on BritlinLaBeouf.com to enroll and remember... You are the healer you've been looking for, but are you giving yourself the time and space to do those deep dives? If one partner feels, hey, you know what? We could up level and be on this level. Do you want to be on here with me? And the other partner says, yes, I do. It's, oh, it's magic. This is just magic, even if they don't know how. Yeah. Yeah. But even just saying, yes, I do. I want to. And that's already, you know, the big change, the big first step to change and transformation. And 
Yeah, it's it's so interesting that we have this conversation while I'm in Germany and I feel this is again super aligned that this is happening because I am realizing the relationship dynamic between my parents and I am realizing also some patterns that I may have taken on from my relationship with my parents that I take on with my partnership now. And it's so fascinating because our parents, mother and father, are usually where we learn relationship from, where we learn, okay, how does that work between men and women? And it's fascinating because I was talking about this with my mom that my husband and I have had uh, two sessions with you, uh, Jacqueline, and it was amazing And she was just like, no, I don't need that. I talk, I talk to, I talk to my husband. We can talk this out. But the thing is that they are stuck in a pattern. They have been stuck in for, since I know them and every single thing, it always comes back and it triggers, they trigger each other and the same thing over and over and over and over again. And they haven't talked it out. Like they talk about it and one person says, I don't like that. And the other person says, well, that's what I do. And that's what I am. <laughs> and then the other person is just like, well, I guess I just have to live with this now. But there's not, not like an actual transformation or like, hey, let's work on this together. Let's find a way. Let's find a common ground on this. And I love that you just mentioned about the different standards because when my mom was also just telling me that oh, we're not going to change. Like our relationship is not going to change anymore. We've been together. They just celebrated their 43rd uh, wedding anniversary, which is amazing. They've been together since yeah. my mom is 16 and my dad is 18. And so, I mean, obviously relationship is transforming throughout this time. And she, yeah, she believes that there is no way for them to change that dynamic anymore. So I was wondering for you, Jacqueline, have you experienced it with like couples that have been together for a long time? Is there a time where you say you just can't grow anymore? You can't because it's just so stuck in the comfort zone. It's like you just can't. Wow. Um, I... I wouldn't, so I would say the short answer to that is no, because I think we can always grow beyond that comfort zone. However, I have experienced um, with people, someone doesn't want to, um, or they want to stay in the relationship, but they don't want to make the necessary changes to stay in the relationship. And so there's this conflict going on within them there. And so there's certainly times when relationships, um, you know, that contract is over spiritually speaking, like the people have given each other everything they, they were meant to give each other in this lifetime. And each of them has, has grown as a result of it. And um, they're perhaps not meant to grow together anymore. And it's not for me to point out or determine when that is, even if I feel it, even if I see it and intuitively feel it, it's not for me to say, I'm there to help um, people gain more awareness so that they can come to um, the deep knowing of what they need to do with their life and relationship. But I guess the short answer is no. I think people can be together for a very long time and still be growing and still be moving out of their comfort zone. 
um, and growing together too. But I do see sometimes one or both of the people, they, they reach a stalemate and, and they're just, they're done. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is that what you say? Is that the time where usually any kind of counseling or coaching just doesn't work anymore? Or are, are there other times where you say, where you would say, okay, it's not going to work anymore. The relationship is pretty much over. Well, I think, you know, I've helped, um, I've helped couples lovingly uh, divorce or lovingly divide from each other. And so, I mean, one of the, what I feel, and I've experienced this personally, one of the hardest relationships to let go of is when you still have a deep love for the person and they haven't done anything horribly wrong in terms of, oh, some great deception, um, but it's just not right. And you know, you two aren't supposed to be together any longer and you're holding on and you're holding on for whatever reasons. And it's just, it's been done and it, it goes past mm-hmm. its expiration date. And I've helped couples who come in and they're like, we just can't, <laughs> we can't get away from each other. And, and we need to, because there's these Uh, it's hindering them and, and, and there's a lot of pain and they can't move on with their lives. And it's typically not, an ex- you know, there's some unhealthy elements to their relationship. It's not like they have this perfect relationship and they've suddenly just decided the time is up. Um, but those are, I think that's a big initiation is to need to break off or break away from someone that you do still feel a great love and appreciation for. And so there's still a benefit in counseling, even if you know the relationship is on its way out or you have very little hope, um, there's still a great benefit to having a guide help you through that process. Mm -hmm. I love that. Teal Swan is also talking about this with a YouTube video on conscious uncoupling. And it's just so beautiful because in a world where also divorce is being seen as such a negative thing and breakups, Mm. it's so beautiful to see, hey, there is a way, just like you were saying, there is an expiration date to anything and it's okay. It doesn't mean that the relationship failed. It doesn't mean that all these experiences that the people had with each other are any less meaningful or was any less valuable for the time being or any less beautiful but it just comes to an end at that time and that's okay and I love how Teal Swan says no relationship is ever over it just transforms and it goes you may go from intimate lovers to friends or to strangers you know, but it all, it transforms and there's always a way when both parties are conscious to still create a beautiful uncoupling process and then create a relationship where both of them can feel safe and shine even brighter and evolve in their own way in a more fulfilling way for both of them. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think um, I'm always really curious to see little ripples of what's going on, at least from my perspective or perception in the collective. Um, Hannah and I are both coaches as well. And what I'm seeing with all the clients that I'm meeting with right now is that it seems like 
all of them are having these reckonings about their relationships and these pieces of awareness that they're gaining. And uh, a lot of the, a lot of the leaning into their own intuition in all facets of their lives also brings in with the relationship and this immense self-inquiry and questioning of whether this is the right relationship or whether it's the one or whether it's good for them or sort of these uh, these narratives that people are realizing actually have this sort of dualistic nature or quality to them where it's like, is it, is it good or is it bad? Is it right or wrong? Is it going to last or is it not going to last where it's almost this reaching this, this desire to grab this, uh, like resolute knowledge over something rather than sort of leaning into that feminine experiential sort of intuitive guidance that's within them and also recognizing that ultimately the the power resides within us of all relationships that we have in our lives whether uh, something does meet its expiration and we decide that we are to move on we have the power of perspective over how we move on and that we always have the ability to um to see the gifts that and see the lessons, see the things that those people taught us. And, you know, even if it doesn't last forever, it's like this, this sort of narrative also needs to be questioned because at what cost, at what cost is it beneficial to con- continue doing something? It's almost like this in some aspects, like a denial of self, like a denial of the things that they want to experience in their own lives, or do they want to stay with the relationship just to, you know, continue the relationship and grow the years that they're spending together? I love that. And and you're reminding me of a few things. Um, well, impermanence for one, I think so much of being alive, the entire process from birth to death is a great big lesson in impermanence. And of course, letting go of a relationship, whether it's through loss or death, as as Britt, I know you've experienced like very recently and very deeply, or it's through the death of a relationship symbolically, it's just a piece of that lesson of impermanence that's leading up to the the biggest lesson that we may experience in human form, which is when we pass from this form to the next, um, Mm -hmm. the impermanence of us being in a physical human body. And so um, you're also reminding me of what Hannah said earlier about um, her own parents and noticing some of the patterns And what she was saying, too, about the opportunity we have in our relationships to break ancestral patterns or family patterns or observed patterns that we've seen in the relationships um, that were our models, whether consciously or subconsciously growing up. So, you know, we're we're gifted with this opportunity to notice, okay, here's, here's the pattern, here's the cycle when I break this, I'm breaking it perhaps for the first time in my life, but also for the first time in the lineage of the women in my family, you know, because say our mothers had the the awareness of, okay, we're in this pattern. He's how he is. I'm how I am, but this is just how it is, or I'm just going to commit to this. Now, I think the next, the next kind of generation and 
and I'm speaking generations symbolically, it doesn't need to be specific years, but this next generation of women is saying, well, no, I can heal this. I don't need to just go with the cycle of what's been modeled and what's been normal. I can set the new standard and invite my partner to meet me there. Yeah, I love that you just said that because that's really what my beloved and I were going through. And what I've realized is because I have such deep understanding and like such deep love for him. The things that triggered me from him that were like little things or I made in my mind that, oh, there's just little things or he didn't mean it that way or it wasn't a big deal. My soul soaked them all in. And when I was doing shadow work, I was like, oh my gosh, what is there in my... and interestingly enough, it was actually on my lunar return. It was a first quarter Scorpio moon, which first quarter it's all about challenges and I'm a Scorpio moon. So it was like, bam, I got like the whole wham of the energy and I'm like, whoa, what's even going on? And I had to do a lot of that shadow work and I had to talk to him about it because I'm like, I'm not going to not let you know what's been going on within me. And it was really, really hard for him at first. And it was, it was such a beautiful moment, though, because he said, you just broke my heart because I really shared of like how I was feeling and very vulnerably. And but then we realized I broke his heart walls and it actually helped him to like opened up on such a more vulnerable level and it was just such a magical moment because we had to do all the shadow work together and had to go through this dark night of the soul together where I usually do this on my own and I come out into the light and then I meet up with him again but we did this together and that is so so powerful and I'm just recently literally since that moment, first quarter moon in Scorpio, that's not even a month ago, really deeply leaning into the space where I do shadow work with my partner. Mm. And it is so powerful. Like, I feel like just like anything, we have to first put our own mask on, right? We first start with just our own. Like I have years and years and years of shadow work and with my students and clients, but I actually never did it in that way with my partner before and and doing that is just like wow it just shifted everything and it was in on such a deep level I mean we did shadow work before but it was like it was just a more shallow way but it was like we went really really deep and dark and from that point we like wow we got through it and there was actually a point where we both of us could have fell back into our old patterns and um, especially for my beloved he was like there was a time where he just wanted to have space and detach and not be vulnerable anymore and he was about to leave too because he's like I'm just gonna go to the gym now while we were like in this uh, shadow work thing but I kept him going and asked more and we still kept on going And we turned it around into like this beautiful, like rebirth, like 
just as they were saying, if you walk through hell, don't stop, keep going, because mm -hmm. that's when you go to heaven, right? And we literally, we literally went there and it was just, ah, oh, just so magical because now we are in a different cycle. And we said that this is a new cycle mm -hmm. for our relationship. It, we dove deep and we can now rise higher but we if we didn't dive deep if I didn't voice all these vulnerable thoughts and feelings that I had we wouldn't have gone there and if he didn't allow his heart to open we wouldn't have gone there either and mm. it wouldn't have been possible so we gotta dive deep to rise high that is beautiful and that that speaks to how strong A relationship you have that story right there just shows wow you are really a beautiful model for your daughter mm. and a beautiful model for people around you and I think a part of the the illness that we collectively suffer in regards to relationship is a lot of a lot of us haven't had a lot of good models and mm. so we're like pioneers trying to figure out well what is a healthy relationship how do we work through conflict And what you just shared was so powerful. And that descent, the fact that you two bonded in the depths of that darkness, I could imagine only solidifies your relationship even more deeply and more strongly to have gone through something like that with someone and to come out all bright and shiny and new again. Typically, you'll go through that process of diving in really deep and and working through the shadowy parts and then you'll come out as an individual with newfound clarity and direction and then you re-meet with your beloved and the fact and that's beautiful in and of itself and we should all do that but the fact that on this incident that you were sharing you two did that together that's that is one of the top ways to form a really solid bond with someone that is lasting. Think about people who go through war together. They're, they're buddies forever or the, the people you sit in an ayahuasca circle with or any kind of these experiences where, you know, we're just, ooh, we're in it, we're in the trenches. And so the fact that you invited, you know, your beloved into that with you and you two went through <coughs> that together willingly and consciously is beautiful. And 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 I feel like, I guess I'll, I'll add this, to that, um, and we don't need to talk in this direction if it's not quite right, but I, I do feel like there's sometimes a, a, a tendency to feel that, well, everything is is always love and light in this, in this kind of new <laughs> spirituality, um, and, and that we can't be depressed, or that if we show our human side, it's, it's of some detriment, even in professional relationships. Oh, well, you keep your role. Like, don't be human or don't show mm -hmm. that vulnerability or don't show that you too have, have been in places of darkness. And, and, you know, and I completely disagree with that and, and feel that, um, first of all, who's going to be the better guide? Like someone who's, who's also been through the trenches and knows the way out or someone who's never been there. Mm -hmm. um, but also too, It's through gravity that that we get depth and soul. And if you're really open to feeling the heartbeat of the world and of existence, you're not just going to feel good things. You're going to feel horrific, heavy, existential, devastating, suffering things. And so you're not always going to be able to pop up and be smiling 
every day. And, and it doesn't mean you're dwelling in those negative things. It just means you're feeling what existence is. And so I, I think it's important that we, we don't shy away from those experiences when they, when they come up. I think, you know, it, it's a good time to form roots and it's a good time to feel some of the depth of what it means to be a human being and to, to um, root yourself, I guess. Um, mm. So you shared just a beautiful embodiment of that, that philosophy through the story, um, Hannah, that you shared. And so I think that's really lovely and powerful. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. And this is what this podcast is about. We've been talking about this so many times. Almost every episode, it comes up. Hey, life is not just love and light. There's shadow and shadow is good. Shadow gives Mm -hmm. us depth and shadow gives us balance. It's light and darkness. And the darkness is also seen as mother goddess. Light is father God. And it's divine feminine is dark. Divine masculine is light. Like we got to have both of them in the balance and in the darkness. When we dig in that soil, just as you were saying, but we can find all kinds of treasures that we had no idea Mm -hmm. were beneath and we can grow even find new nutrients and grow even stronger trees and flowers Mm -hmm. because of that because we're deepening our roots if we just have shallow Mm -hmm. roots we can only grow like a little bush and that's going to be our relationship but if we go really deep we can grow such strong deep roots and it can blossom into a big tree Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I love all the nature uh, symbolism and the garden analogy and even the the weeds. Whenever we go in and are tending the weeds or what we perceive to be these, uh, you know, useless, sort of bothersome, tiresome aspects of the relationship we can still be pulling these up and then we really start to get to get into the work of like alchemy and learning our more uh, witchy sort of sides and learning how to turn these weeds into really potent tinctures and elixirs and medicines and looking and finding little pieces of, of agate and jasper and all these like little rocks that we're able to tune into the vibrational personas of. And, you know, it, it's just so lovely. Once again, you know, we're coming back to perspective and how it is that we step into something. Is it from an empowered, liberated space where we're able to see something for what it is, acknowledge it, sit with it, listen to it, feel into it, you know, and process it? Or that that same thing with the addiction to the comfort zone. I love it so much. Are you ready to connect deeper with your intuitive powers, feel confident in your decision-making, and manifest your dream life and business with less stress and more flow? If you are a heck yes, I got something for you. The Moon Manifestor Membership. Learn the algorithm of life, find out what portals of opportunity are opening up for you each month so you no longer have to second-guess yourself and try to force things to happen, but you can playfully up-level your life while enjoying the journey and just like pamela one of the moon manifestors who says the moon manifestors have influenced my life in every way honestly my life has become so much less stressful and so much more in the flow i love seeing amazing things manifest for each of us so what are you waiting for 
Join the Moon Manifestors and transform your life in a fun and magical way. For only $39 per month, it's like your spiritual gym membership. So go to hannahchristiansen.com and sign up for the Moon Manifestors. And I'm so looking forward to seeing you there. May you live your dream life with less stress and more flow, because you are worth it. You know, we're coming back to perspective and how it is that we step into something. Is it from an empowered, liberated space where we're able to see something for what it is, acknowledge it, sit with it, listen to it, feel into it, you know, and process it? Or that that same thing with the addiction to the comfort zone. I love it so much. And I love the way that you, well, both of you just had tree references right now. And as someone who has really dealt with codependency, and it's also something that I, I see rippling through the collective so much too, learning how to grow those roots for me in my relationship, especially has been so potent learning how to stand in my own flesh and learning how to cultivate happiness within myself is really this, uh, this priceless aspect of the human experience that I think is gaining more and more awareness with so many people that truly the, it's like the, the cliche sayings and whatnot, like, learn how to stand on your own two feet. And like we were talking about earlier, having the things that we settle for and the things that we consider normal and don't challenge and don't question as we move on in life. And if we can gain awareness over what our patterns are, issues that have panned out in so many probably different relationships in your life and might still be manifesting in different ways in your current relationship. And it's like, you can just get so downtrodden and just think that, oh, why? Like, why do relationships have to suck so bad? Why do I have to run into this freaking issue all the time? Why are all these people so, so stupid? So this, so that, you know, and we push all these expectations and all these different ways that we want people to just be there for us. And can't you just make me happy? Like shit. Is it so fucking hard? And we can be so, you know, convicted by our own beliefs. And it's the, it's the most humbling process to truly look in a mirror and understand that usually it's coming back to the self. And I wanted to touch on this too, because when Hannah was sharing her story and at different moments that you've been sharing your your depth of wisdom, Jacqueline, I was thinking back to the yogic system and so many Sanskrit terms and uh, different aspects of the yogic system and the limbs can be interpreted in so many different ways, you know, and in my yoga teacher training, when we first heard about Abhyasa and Vairagya, which we're, I'm going to open up about now, it was mostly, um, Abhyasa translates to effort and Vairagya, the return. And the method of yoga that I'm certified in is where we're basically doing two actions in any given yoga posture at one time in an effort to form stability. And so if I'm externally rotating my shoulders and drawing them down my back, I want to also be 
uh, adding some effort to stabilize this, this portion of my body. And I think of it in the same way, so much, so much in relationships as well. If we are giving right action and we have right discernment over the right action that is for us in this moment, we can completely detach from the outcome of what it is that's going to pan out. I have this tattoo on my, on my forearm, you can't do truth wrong. And for me, coming back to that integrity and coming back to what my truth is and allowing myself to express it outward is enough for me. And it took a long time for me for that to be enough for me because I stem from so many abandonment issues in my past where I was like, but if I'm fully myself, nobody's going to want me, you know, and liberating this to where I'm able to express what my feelings and thoughts and emotions and boundaries are and where I seek to see change. And then I can totally detach and just be just be free to let my partner show up right in the way that in the way that he's feeling called to. So that's, that's my little, my little rant. I know I went on for quite a while, but rant. that was lovely. (laughs) I love what you're saying that you're, you're, you're also speaking to in part, this idea of identity and the importance of going in deep in order to, um, be our most authentic selves and to show up in our fullest, um, in Hannah's case, wildest, um, <laughs> most liberated <laughs> self. Um, but I think that does a lot of things in a relationship. For one, it gives our partner the opportunity to see us at our most beautiful, because I do truly believe we are the most beautiful when we're the most fully ourselves, whatever that is and whatever that looks like. We become less beautiful when we start trying to go over to a different order, or when we cram ourselves into a box or a role that isn't the fullest expression of ourselves. So it, it does that. And it also gives our partner the opportunity and the permission, so to speak, to show up in that same authenticity, whatever it looks like for themselves. Um, and I'll, I'll add that that can always be changing. And I think it's, it's, it's amazing. It amazes me when I notice myself as something so other than what I've noticed myself as before. And I'll say, well, why am I sitting this way? Or look at this, this new way I'm doing my hair, this new way that I'm speaking. Who is this? What is this? What am I becoming? Is this conscious? Do I like what I'm becoming? And to just witness, um, and sometimes I, I judge to keep myself in check because there's certain qualities I do want to maintain and certain qualities I never want to embody. So there's a little bit of a judgment there in a healthy way or a discernment, um, but mostly just to witness like, wow, I'm, I'm becoming something else or I'm transforming. And how does that, you know, if I'm in partnership, how does that work with this partnership? But the first step is just to know who you are and to be exploring who you are and to be comfortable with that expression. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Did you want to add something? Well, I was just going to echo a little bit of what what Britt was saying. And she said, you know, yeah, I know it it kind of sounds cliche to say the things um, like, well, you need to know who you are first or be comfortable in your own skin or be autonomous. And, and I think there's a reason that, um, you know, she gave that little announcement or said, maybe this sounds cliche. I, I think that's, 
that's just so true. So we don't need to call it even cliche. That's just true. The more we know ourselves and the more we are healthy in providing ourselves with, with love and clarity and direction without needing anything outside of ourselves, except maybe uh, a connection to the source or the divine, the more we can feel supported and loved and powerful without anything externally, the better we're going to be in any situation or any relationship. So I, I feel like, yes, that may sound cliche, but only because it's true. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, I should have discerned better because a lot of people can see it as a cliche thing and like look mm-hmm. over it kind of, but it truly is like the deepest truth. <laughs> and also since we were talking about patterns, I feel like what I start noticing too in the collective is that there's on one side, there are people that just want to stay in a relationship and make anything work and really compromise so much of themselves just to make that relationship work. And then on the other hand, there are people that are so independent, but there is something inside of them where they do want to have a partner, but then they only want to have a partner that matches them. And what I've noticed is that there is also at the same time, while we need to like learn how to be independent and how to take care of ourselves, there's also a need to understand compromise and learn how to compromise and I feel like that is such that is the power of the feminine as well because the feminine is the unity the coming together and I love the origin of compromise and I said this before in another sacred sisterhood episode of ours compromise it comes from common promise so creating these common promises is so important too at the same time So what I notice is literally two extremes, like also for my clients, I often get two extremes either on one side that takes in anything and anything goes kind of thing. And I just stay in that relationship because I want it to work. And on the other side, the very independent that is, I just take care of myself and my needs come first. Where do you feel like, what do you see? What kind of relationships come into your awareness and also what what would you say as a suggestion or as an advice to bring that more into balance as you were speaking i was i was the answer was coming before you you even asked that question so i suggest to couples that there's certain parts of ourselves and i ask on the the inquiry form that I have everyone fill out individually before I work with them. I I ask a lot of questions to get to know their inner world and their inner workings and how they see themselves and what they want to become and what they need to let go of. And one of the questions is about, um, you know, your deepest values or your deepest qualities of self. um, The things that really are you, um, you might call them if you want to use uh, soul language, like these are my, my soul traits or, or this is, these are the pieces of myself that if I compromise these, I'm compromising my soul's journey and my soul's path and who I really am. And I don't feel it's healthy to compromise those. So there's a lot of common promises, which I think is beautiful. And that's actually one of the podcasts I listened to when you shared that. So there's a lot of common promises we'll make as a collective in a relationship. And it's extremely important 
to view those promises with full sacredness. And so I think this is another kind of old old relationship model versus new relationship model, maybe is seeing a compromise as some kind of sacrifice of self. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like that because I don't like thinking, oh, I have to give up some thing or some essential part of me to be a part of this other thing versus like, oh, no, it's easy for me to make choices in my life based around the promises that we've made each other. If I'm Mm -hmm. in a relationship and I get some amazing opportunity in a different country and, and my partner is really set on living here or near family or something, it doesn't feel like a compromise to me to say, okay, well, we'll stay here because that's kind of what we've talked about or that's what's really going to make you happy. But I think it's important to make a distinction um, between what are the, when we're making a choice, whether individually or in the relationship, are we doing it at the expense of our soul's peace and and deepest knowing Mm. or not you know because I don't think we should compromise that like to for me that's something I see people becoming deeply depressed or they leave or they lead a life you know as as Thoreau would call it a life of quiet desperation so Mm. I don't think we should ever compromise our our soul's kind of divine essence or calling or traits. And of course we need to know what those are in order to be able to say, oh, I'm, I'm compromising that or not. And, and that's very different than somebody's whims. That's very different than someone saying, oh, well, I just feel like doing this right now um, because that's what I'm feeling called or pulled to do. Okay, well, at what level? Like, is it really one of those deep essential pieces of who you are or is it just like a flight of fancy Um, And so I think to answer your question, Hannah, like there's, I see there being a a pretty clear distinction for people who are in touch with themselves and have done a lot of self-reflective work. There's a big distinction between I'm making a compromise for the greater good of the relationship in a way that's not, you know, putting a huge dagger through my, my spirit. And then there's things that you're like, oh my gosh, like my wings are coming back into my body. They're not, I can't even be myself anymore based on this compromise I've made, like I'm truly not being myself anymore. Um, and, and people start like feeling like they're dying inside or their spirits being crushed. Like you shouldn't compromise yourself to the point where you feel things like that. Mm. Yes. What a distinction. Mm -hmm. What a distinction. Yeah. I, I thank you so much for sharing that piece. I feel like that's like the pinnacle because so much of this work within relationships stems from the place that we're at within ourselves. And the only way that we're going to have any sort of insights as to how it is that we should move forward or, uh, you know, what it is that we desire to experience in our relationships and in our lives comes from that knowing of the self that knowing of the self. And especially if you are for any of our audience that might just be like, well, how do I start tapping into that kind of stuff? If, if they're, you know, really curious to, to see that. I mean, Hannah's an astrologer and offers these really, really incredible archetype playbooks for different. um, Do you usually recommend for your sun, moon and rising signs for the playbooks? Yes. So those are literally to play with because they give you little prompts on your sun, moon, and rising sign. 
and then uh, to really get to know your inner blueprint, I really highly recommend for anyone that can be astrology that can be through human design that can be through the chakra system like mm -hmm. just like finding like a system that you resonate with and really getting to know yourself on that deeper level because yes we have a dna on the physical level but we also have an energetic dna and we can look it up there is a map for it there is a system And it makes life so much easier because then you know those deeper values of what you have yeah. and what you can't compromise and you know what's mm -hmm. important. And it makes it makes the it helps with the whole self-inquiry and the whole self-fulfillment yeah. and evolution of the soul. Yeah. And the beautiful part about all of that is that there are so many different systems and so many different maps that we can look into within human design, within astrology as well, not only learning about yourself, but also looking at synastry or composite charts with the people that you're in a relationship and that be that intimate partnership, somebody in your immediate or extended family, anyone at your job, your boss, you know, these are the intricate ways that we can not only gauge a system and look at it for our own maps, but gauge and see what is being activated in so many other ways and then sit with those and inquire within. Don't just take it for face value and say, oh, this is law. Really inquire. See the way that those subtle relations come up. See what they look like for you because the beautiful thing about Uh, the chakra system and different aspects of human design and astrology is that so many of these energies that we can look into are archetypes and archetypes are vast, limitless, able to truly um, show themselves and manifest in like literally limitless ways. So it's not, it also, it's not just the research. It's not just the map. It's also equally self-inquiry and asking yourself, well, what does it look like for me? And this is one of the ways that I feel like uh, some people just don't understand fully the complexity and the dimensionality within all these self-knowledge systems because we still want to take it at face value and just be like, oh, no, that doesn't resonate with me because someone used, you know, five words to describe Virgo that are five of the 7,000 words that we could use to describe Virgo. And it, it does us a disservice with that contracted uh, awareness. Yes, and I love that you just mentioned that with synastry too, because this is one of the things like we can look into two blueprints and see how do they, what is the highest potential of that relationship. But no system can tell you this is what's going to happen. Nothing is set in stone. It always comes down to what kind of inner work are we doing on an individual level and then also on the relationship level. Because yeah. ultimately, each relationship that we have with every single person has challenges, period. We're going to trigger each other. That's what it is. And we can see, okay, how are, are we working with those triggers? What are we doing with them? Are we using them as fuels to help us evolve and transform? Or are we using them as walls to like make us detach from each other and fight? And when it's like one way over the other finding ways, okay, if we just continuously fight, is there a way that I can work on myself? And then my partner usually mirrors that back. Whatever is going on inside of myself is being mirrored by my partner in some way or another. And when the inner work doesn't work with the self, 
it takes an inner work with the relationship. And that's where the coach comes in. That is so, so helpful because yes, we can do these shadow works and inner works together as a couple. And we also interviewed the yoga couple on that, by the way, that have the written the book, The Inner Work. But then having a neutral third party there, someone like Jacqueline, who is so spiritual and shamanic background, who has an idea of this multidimensional self, of the, the ways that we're living, that this is not just the human body, but we are so much more. We're a conscious being that is incarnated into this body at this moment. And we have a purpose and a mission. And talking with someone like that it is so powerful to because Jacqueline is holding space for us you you Jacqueline mm-hmm. you're holding space for us to to make that work and to create it and do it in a safe way so it's not something where it can't even turn into a fight but it's more like okay how can we work through this on a on a very highly conscious level and it doesn't mean that you can't do that on your own, but it's like, and, you know, it's like not, okay, I do it on my own in the relationship or I'm taking a coach. Like, no, it's, I'm doing it on my own and I'm taking a coach. (laughs) (laughs) It's both. And that's where really the power comes in. Wow. I like lovely shares from both of you and, and something that came up for me to share. Um, you know, when, when Britt was talking was, uh, you're both sharing all of these different incredible ancient um, modalities or forms of coming to know the self and who am I and how do I show up in the world and what is most important to me? Or as I was saying before, like, what is my soul's calling as to make sure I honor that and don't compromise that. And I wanted to just bring up a super practical down and dirty way of of um kind of exploring this and that's through trial and error and so in the course of a relationship if you know you're doing this this I hear this term from from Brit a lot in some of your materials self-study so so if you're truly someone devoted to self-study and you're doing this inner work um it's like okay this at some point in my relationship I'm going to be integrating this or applying this and I think let's come back to what Hannah was um, talking about before in terms of what is a compromise that's healthy versus what is a compromise that perhaps we shouldn't be making. Well, well, if you want to really give your relationship uh, a good old college try, um, you know, try compromising something that maybe you feel like, ah, is that one of my core soul values? I feel like it is, but I'm not sure. Uh, My partner's kind of asking me to, to move through life um, with him or her in a certain way. And I feel like that might not be the best thing for me, but you know what? I'm going to give that all of my energy and sincere attention, looking at it as an experiment, looking at it as this doesn't need to be permanent. This doesn't mean that I'm signing up to move through my relationship in life this way forever, but, but just to kind of check to see how this feels, I'm going to go ahead and make this compromise and, and, you know, and I've done this and I've really been able to take away any, any little voice in my head that says, oh, you shouldn't be doing that or that's not right or that's going to fail. And I've really said, I'm all in in the way that, that your vision is saying we need to be. And then I'll check back in with myself 
Um, and, and it comes naturally because if it was a bad decision, it's, it's going to be felt pretty clearly. Um, and for an extended period of time, or you start to sink into, you know, a place of just knowing that, hey, you weren't listening to your intuition when your intuition said you shouldn't do that, you know, but I'll still sometimes give it a try because I'm so devoted to the relationship. And I'm like, well, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe my intuition isn't right this time, which, you know, is never the case for any of us. But, you know, I'm like, okay, let me feel into this. So another really nitty gritty modality is just good old fashioned trial and error. And, you know, to the extent that you can do that without having your life cave in on you, of course. Beautiful. Yes. So true. So true. And it happens to everybody. Like even when we do know our inner blueprint, I still find myself like compromising on things. And I'm like, you know what? No, I, (laughs) this, I know that this is, this is what I need and it's okay. And our needs shift too. And we're evolving Mm -hmm. and we need different things. And yeah, I love that. Yeah. Some other piece of insight came up and I can't remember exactly what it is right now. Oh yeah. Just about, just about really finding what works for you and liberating and being empowered and, and what works for your relationship, no matter how, you know, strange it may seem, obviously there are some, there's a spectrum of what, (laughs) where that should lie, whether it's within, you know, toxic traits or disempowered motives or things like that, obviously. But, um, there are so many aspects of my relationship that seem very strange to other people in terms of, you know, I travel a lot. uh, We're very, very independent and, you know, we have a lot of our own projects going on all the time. And um, there are just so many opinions uh, from people about the way you should parent, the way you should be in a relationship, things that are good, things that are bad. And this is another uh, really great learning opportunity that we have to, to just, again, inquire within and be like, okay, yeah, but how does it make me feel? How do we operate whenever we're leaning into this thing? And I love how you said about trial and error, too, because sometimes the things that you um, are, are an initial like, uh, I don't think so, or like, probably not. Actually, when you give it that really hard-opened good old college try, you might just be so astounded at how much it actually benefits your life. And I can't even tell you how many times that's happened in my own relationship. (laughs) And usually it comes from breaking down my own stubbornness and my own, you know, sometimes just ego assertion of what I think that I know that I want and, you know, being willing to play with that, being willing to question myself and, and try different things and getting curious. So thank you for adding that. No, I love that. And, and it all ties back to what we were speaking about earlier. And I can't recall if it was you or Hannah that brought up these check-ins, like having, having, I think it was Hannah, like having relationship check-ins or check-ups. Mm-hmm. And if you're going through one of these experiments where you're saying, okay, well, you know what? Um, let's, let's try this out. Even though I've had my hesitancies, let's go ahead and both commit to this common dream that we're going to create in this, in this particular way. And then let's check in with each other in three months or six months or a year or whatever it is. And that's so important so that you don't end up just taking on a new norm that isn't working for one of the partners or that someone's just grown accustomed to now, but they're really just tolerating it. So I think it's beautiful to have those check-ins with each other and, and also on a more frequent basis, you know, I think um, having 
weekly check-ins and especially with couples that are really busy or don't necessarily have, um, you know, daily intimate connections or the opportunity for that people with, with children or two really busy careers. It's, I think it's really important to say, okay, well, Sunday nights, we're going to go into our sacred space and we're not going to talk about logistics or the household or the kids or a to-do list. We're just going to sit across from each other as two human beings. And I'm going to see, how are you? How are you feeling? Not in relationship even to me, but just like, how are you? And holding space for that. And then and then turning the table and having your partner ask you the same. And I think that's so important that you still see each other as just two people on your own soul journeys. And, and everything he or she says isn't always about you. And there doesn't need to be that piece of you that always comes up. Ah, oh, does that mean he doesn't love me? Or does that mean this or that? It, no, let's just hold space for how this person is feeling and have them do the same for us. And, and you, then you can, if you want, check in on the relationship too. Like, how are we doing? Um, but I think that's so important. Yes. yes, those sacred times, scheduled sacred times. Mm-hmm. I love yeah, that, that that was something that um, we really started implementing. And Hannah, I don't know about you too, but whenever we were taking, Hannah and I both took Sophia Sundari, who's also been on the podcast, uh, her tantric, uh, she calls it the Limitless Love online course. And those, those were some of my most vulnerable moments whenever we carved out that sacred time and really created an altar space together, consecrated it together. And even just doing little simple things like sitting down and eye gazing or sitting down and him witnessing as I, you know, stand up and circle around him and show him my fullest feminine embodiment for, you know, 45 minutes or an hour. And these are kind of for the purpose of, of bringing greater depth and trust into intimacy, but it's like, wow, those just taking the relationships deeper and the practices that we can use to, to do that and the vulnerability that it takes to lean into that, especially if, if it's not normal. Yes. And I feel like that's like that emotional sex, you know, like I yeah. see sex as synchronized energy exchange. And on a physical level, like, yes, it's definitely important in a relationship. But if it's not there on an emotional level where you have this emotional, like soul connection, where it's not even about any physical touch at all. Yeah. But it's just like, okay, let me look into your eyes and I just hold space and I see you as fully who you are. And I love you and accept you unconditionally. Ah. <sighs> That's that kind of sex that brings me to the physical sex on such a deeper level and more orgasmic and everything mm-hmm. because that is that depth, that feminine depth. And I feel like that's what has been kind of like in our porn culture has been completely missed. People have forgotten about that because we're just knowing when you think of sex, like, yeah, sex is important in a relationship. We think of the physical aspect of it, but there are emotional, mental, spiritual, so many more and it's they are all interconnected as well and when we bring mm-hmm. all of these aspects together it's like wow whole mm-hmm. new level yeah doesn't it just feel wonderful to be seen i think that yeah. is what a gift for somebody to really just see us really mm-hmm. just beyond all the layers and the veils and to mm-hmm. completely see us and and to feel loved 
in that moment on top of feeling seen, I can't think of a better feeling. Mm-hmm. Like being able to Except drop maybe, all the masks. Mm-hmm. Yes, to drop all the masks. Yeah, and then to, mm-hmm. to give someone else that opportunity to fully see and love someone else, that's also what a powerful feeling to be able to, mm-hmm. to give someone that gift. Mm-hmm. Yes. We just talked about like pretty much the most important thing in a relationship to be, to stay connected and to have not big areas of conflict and become larger issues are those check-ins, even weekly check-ins, like bringing in a coach when there's like deeper integration necessary or when we feel like we want to really up-level our relationship. Is there something that you would say is like, an advice that you want to give to people that want to get started or maybe even an experience that you've had with a couple that went through a really, really hard and challenging moment and they, they turn it around and what did they do by turning that around and still sustaining the relationship, even though they thought they're going to break up? Well, I'll bring up what I, in my experience have seen as the most difficult obstacle for people to overcome. Let's see if you can guess what it is. Any guesses? Ego. <laughs> that might be the root of some of it. <laughs> that is, that could be a part of it. I mean, it's, it's infidelity. Um, I think in, in my experience that, that, that deception um, and infidelity can mean whatever it means to your own container based on the kind of established, um, comfortable rules of your own relationship. So, Mm -hmm. so I'm, I guess I'm speaking, um, really traditionally as emotional and, and physical infidelity together. I think when somebody has a sustained, intimate, deep connection that is also physical and unknown to the other partner, with somebody else um, that, that creates really, really deep wounds um, and a potential complete destabilization of the relationship and, and the trust needs to be rebuilt and often the sense of, uh, of power in the person who was um, like uh, deceived. They might ask themselves questions like, well, why wasn't I enough? Or do they not love me anymore? Um, so there's, there's a sense of self that needs to be re-explored. There's so much, um, so many complex wounds that can come from infidelity. Um, but infidelity doesn't necessarily need to mean the relationship is over, you know, and there's actually one of my favorite Ted talks on this is called rethinking infidelity, um, by Esther Perel. And, and one of the beautiful things she says, she has so many nuggets of wisdom. Um, she's like a Belgian psychotherapist or sex therapist, but she says that most adults in the contemporary world today will have two or three like long-term relationships over the course of their adult life. And for a lot of people, those are with the same person, implying that that relationship you have will die and be reborn two or three times. So two or three relationships doesn't need to mean oh, well, I'm, I'm only in my first one right now with my husband. I guess this means I still have two other ones with someone else. No, it could mean 
your relationship will go through a major transformation several times over the course of being together. And that's indeed necessary often after a huge deception or obstacle Mm -hmm. like infidelity, that old marriage, that old relationship is over and it's up to the couple to, okay, do we want to start a new one together? And of course, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, How do we rebuild? What needs to be healed? But, you know, as far as as tips um, or advice, you know, as Hannah brought up, I would say, don't see any major event or experience in your relationship as necessarily an end. Um, It doesn't need to be. It can be an end to the relationship you had, but it doesn't need to mean that the entire relationship is over. Um, It can transform into a new form or be rebirthed completely together. Um, So I think there's a lot that goes into that process and it'd be hard to encapsulate um, you know, in a few moments, what that looks like. So I think the, the bottom line would be um, just because something really detrimental shakes the foundation of your relationship, it doesn't need to necessarily mean we're done forever. Um, if that's what you want and that's what you feel and that's how you're being guided, then that's the truth for you. Um, but it's not a universal truth for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might just be up-leveling your relationship right there. Mm-hmm. Deep transformations. I love that. That was such a beautiful ending, too. I feel like, okay, how to sustain a conscious relationship? Here we go. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so many insane, insane nuggets. So, so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing everything that you did. Um, Thank you. I, I just Thank looked- you so much. Absolutely. I just looked at the time and I was like, really? (laughs) How is that possible? How has this been like so much longer than usual for this season? Um, So we do have some questions that we uh, ask every guest and these usually can be like shorter format questions, whatever it is that comes to mind. So the first is what does sacred mean to you? Sacred, the words that come to me are holy, protected, devoted. I think those are the the words that come to me if I'm giving you the shortest answer possible. Um, But sacred, maybe to go with the theme of our conversation, sacred is we should not compromise the sacred in our lives. Mm. Yes. And who is a sacred sister to you? And what does it mean to have a sacred sister? Oh, um, oh gosh. I just talked to her the other day. Um, one of my best friends on this or any planet and in this or any dimension, because we have traveled to many together, um, is Carrie Hayden. She lives up in Portland. And what does it mean to have a sacred sister? We have. Um, held sacred space for each other for so many years now through such intense transformative experiences with such love and tenderness um, and non-judgment, but also, um, you know, we don't let each other get away with things. We will gently and lovingly um, point out things that we notice um, that to help each other out. And so I think that's a big part of sacred sisterhood is 
holding each other through the process of transformation with complete love and non-judgment, but also you're guiding each other and helping each other out. So beautiful. Hannah and I talk about this with Sacred Sisterhood all the time. What a what a beautiful, like, uh, such a sacred relationship that is as these guides for one another. That was beautiful. Thank you. And the last is, what are some ways that you make something mundane into something magical or sacred? Wow. Um, I think we can infuse our own sacred energy into anything. Um, through the, the joy of being alive, I think um, everything can be a sacred moment and every object around us can be a sacred object if we give it love and we, we see the moment we're in as having joy in it. Um, so I think it's our own, it's the alchemist in each of us that's able to just take whatever um, life force energy exists around us and, and kind of breathe it through, through us and just, um, and share it with whatever's around us and make it sacred. Yes. Wow. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. This was so much fun sitting with you. And for anyone who is listening to this and is like, I want to work with her. Where do they get to know you? How can they reach out to you? And what's coming up for you? Well, the most thorough way would probably be to go to my website, growwithsoul.com. So G-R-O-W-W-I-T-H-S-O-U-L.com. And you can explore there. And there's a link to one of my other sites. Um, and uh, you can find out more about my offerings. And what's coming up for me right now, a lot of deep one-on-one -on -one work um, with clients and also with couples. But, but the group things, because of the current state in the world, are, are put on hold. So There's a lot of just going in deep because people are already, I think, in a place of a lot of introspection. Um, so we're able to go even deeper together or as, as couples with me there to help facilitate as a guide. So mm -hmm. that's it. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Yes. Thank you so much. As always, these conversations totally take me for a whirlwind. I think, you know, maybe it might go. So I go in with some vague Uh, expectation and then it just is always just this huge world that I never could have anticipated that was so beautiful thank you so so much and for everyone that's listening we thank you so much for sitting with us and we hope that each and every one of you has an amazing and blessed rest of your day namaste. thank you so much namaste